0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we begin with a public service announcement. The management of Ask blog having given the matter due consideration, would like to make it very clear that David Bentley is one ugly Little Cunt. That concludes this public service announcement. We thank you for your time. Hello and welcome to another Ars Blog Ars Cast. Coming up on this week's show. We'll be talking about Andre Arshavin, somewhat, also about the North London Derby, plus all the usual bits and pieces thrown in as well. I'll give you more details in a moment. welcome to a brand new ArsCast on com. Hope we find you well this Friday, or whenever it is you might happen to be listening to this. Uh, it is going to be a, a relatively busy show, slightly less frantic and frenetic than last week, because Arsmania is over. Andre Arshavin is an Arsenal player, at last. And the frenzy into which... Everyone had whipped themselves. Well, I won't say everyone, but many people had whipped themselves into this frenzy of madness and needing to know stuff, and it's over. Last week, we were touched in our special areas by football agents, and we didn't want to be touched in that special area. But now those feelings of guilt and shame and embarrassment, they're gone. The agent is gone, never to be seen again. And we have a footballer, a Russian, Rara Arshavin, Russia's greatest something. Love Machine is not probably good when I've been talking about special areas and stuff. But you know what I mean. So that we can approach with a much more tranquil uh, mindset. And to join me on the show in a little few minutes to talk about that will be Gilberto Silver from Gunnerblog.com. As well as that, the man in the bar will have a player history. Uh, We've got a tale of the unexpected uh, and some other bits and pieces as well. So, without wanting to go too much into the Arshavin deal, uh, it was a mental day, wasn't it transfer deadline day? Uh, it was on, it was off, it was happening, it wasn't happening. They were going to accept, they weren't going to accept. The bottom line is Arsenal played hardball and proper, proper hardball to get a deal that they wanted. Zenit were in a position where they really had to sell the player. He didn't want to be with them anymore. He wanted to leave. There was this sticky issue over who owed what regards signing on fees, etc., etc. Uh, but Arsenal played it. Uh, I suppose, uh, in a very risky way, because, you know, over something like that, uh, it can go wrong very easily. And we've got ourselves a a good deal, because let's not forget, last summer, Zenit were talking about uh, £25 million for André Arshavin, raising maybe to £30 million. And I'm pretty sure that Zenit got offers which were better last summer than the one they've just sold him for. Uh, There's talk of 12 to 15 million pounds. I was told that it could even be around 10 million with the 2 million uh, as the extras. So that really is proper, proper negotiating and good stuff going on from Arsenal, uh, from all the team involved. Obviously, Arsene Wenger, uh, the new man, uh, Ivan Gazidis, but most importantly, I think, Ken Fryer. And people have talked about Arsenal's inability to get transfers done without a a figure like David Dean. And his name cropped up uh, in the final couple of days of the the transfer window and people were thinking, well, maybe we need to get Dean back or someone like Dean. But I think we've, um, uh, how shall we say, underestimated the abilities of the people that are there at the moment. Let's not forget, we've done this Arshavin deal and, and the Alonso deal in the summer was a bit similar. Uh, but I don't think Liverpool ever had any intention of selling to us. But when you look at deals that happened before that, like the the Eduardo deal and the Sanya deal, these guys came in with a minimum of fuss, turned out to be quality players, and we got the transfers done uh, completely and utterly under the radar, which is obviously how uh, Arsenal like to work. We all know that. They will not comment on transfers. Arsene Wenger throughout the month of January uh, sang from the same hymn sheet every single day. When asked by the press, is there any news out of Arshaven? He would say, no, I don't have any news for you. When there's news, I'll tell you. The problem was, of course, that Zenit, knowing that Arshaven had to leave, that he didn't want to be there anymore, were trying to make this transfer as public as possible to generate interest uh, from other clubs or possible interest from other clubs. Uh, We had the guy, Dennis Lachter, who's the agent, basically responding to anyone who sent him a text message. He didn't really care who it was. So you have bits and pieces of information flying around all over the place and ending up on different websites and different blogs and what have you. And, and that's not a criticism of the guys uh, from the other blogs and what have you who went out and got that information. Fair play to them. Absolutely fair play to them. But you have to question, let's say, the professionalism of someone like Lachter who will give out that information to... Uh, ordinary bloggers and I'm not saying I'm not an ordinary blogger because I am I'm just a guy with a blog I wouldn't necessarily expect anybody to give me any information if I just rang them up and asked them about a transfer worth millions and millions of pounds if they did I'd be like fucking hell I can't believe he's telling me this so that has gone on uh, and it's generated this uh, speculation and frenzy that's that's happened and um when you have sky sports news and and all those guys thrown into the mix uh, with their hype and their constant oh, we're outside the hotel we're outside this we're outside that blah 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 you know you it all builds up into maybe more than it actually is and and uh, of course people love to see new signings and i understand people getting uh, frustrated maybe at the lack of information that arsenal give them but the reason from my point of view, the Arsenal don't give out any information is because transfer deals are complicated at the best of times. This one has been very complicated. So if Arsenal say something that jeopardizes the deal, or if Arsenal say something, yes, we're going to sign this guy, and then it doesn't happen, well, then they look like idiots. So they keep their mouth shut and do their business, and until the business is done and dusted, they don't say anything. And I really think that is a good way to operate. More frustrating for fans, Absolutely. Uh, but I think it's the best way to operate when it comes uh, to doing your transfer business. Unlike some managers who will go very public and talk about who they want and why they want them and how much they're willing to pay for him, etc., etc. That's just the way Arsenal do business. And nobody, I don't think, should expect Arsenal to change the way they do that business. And uh, the behavior of Zenit, the behavior of Lactor, the behavior of Sky Sports and the tabloids and all that kind of stuff didn't help. But in the end, we got our man. And I'm happy he's arrived, I have to say. Uh, I think he's a quality player. I think he'll really add something to this team. Whether or not he can do it quite on Sunday or not, we're not sure yet whether he's going to be involved. But uh, yeah, good work, Arsenal. That's all I'll say. Might not have been the most um, pleasant of transfer windows. It was at times frustrating, but we got what we wanted in the end, and we got it for the right price. So credit where it's due, and that goes to uh, to everybody involved in the transfer, and well done, Arsenal. Uh, so to talk a little bit more about that uh, Arshavin guy and where he might fit in and, and that whole kind of stuff, as well as looking ahead to the North London Derby this weekend, uh, I'm joined by Gilberto Silver from Gunnerblog. Hi there.
2: Hi there, good morning.
1: Uh, I've got some news just coming in here. The Arshavin deal apparently is off.
2: Oh, well, I'm not surprised, to be honest with you. What's it, the reason? Uh
1: I, too much too much blogging.
2: Ah uh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I hold my hands up.
1: Well, you were I- indeed in the last uh, day or two of the transfer window very active uh both on your blog and on Twitter and and all those kinds of things and uh did a sterling job of of trying to get to the bottom of what was probably the most complicated convoluted um tedious most protracted transfer saga I can remember Arsenal ever being involved in have you ever um, seen anything like that before
2: never I, I honestly I don't even think just Arsenal like the the way this transfer unfolded and the way uh that, that deadline day particularly unfolded it was off uh, and then it was back on and then it was off again and then the deadline came and went and it hadn't happened and you know sealed 24 hours after the deadline a ridiculous roller coaster um and whilst it was sort of quite entertaining i am have am so glad to see the back of it
1: it is uh, good uh, yeah exactly to get to get rid of all that and, and know that we have uh, a new player on our books uh, a quality player too uh, and one who isn't 18 who comes to us with a lot of potential. He's, he's uh, played in the European Championships. He's played in the Champions League. Of course, not to great effect, was a, a big, big part of Zenit winning the UEFA Cup last season. Uh, he's, he's a good addition to the squad, leaving aside the, the issues that we all know about, that, that perhaps there are other parts of the team that, that need strengthening as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was thinking last night, um, you know, he's 27 years old, and I was trying to think, when was the last time we had a 27-year-old in our midfield? Uh, it must have been last season. I don't think we've had anyone of that age uh, in our midfield this season. We've been forced to play, you know, obviously Rositsky's been out, and the, the average age of the midfield has been about what twenty, twenty-one for most mm. of the season. Um, and it's it's fantastic, really, just to have someone who's just got a bit more experience. Admittedly, not in this league, but he, you know, he's won prizes, he's won competitions uh, in Europe and in Russia. And I think something else about this signing is that. With so many of these sort of uh, flair players, uh, they come from Latinate countries, and people worry, you know, uh, they're not they're not going to like it on uh, on a, on a wintry night. But I think I heard, I think it was Gabriel Marcotti saying something like, uh, he he made a joke, he said, "Well, let's see how he does, you know, on a warm night in spring." Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Because he's he's uh, he's already adapted to the um, to the the weather conditions. It's going to be uh, hopefully not the same kind of process for him to go through. And I, I think for that reason, it makes a, a lot of sense.
1: Mm, I, I, was, I was watching the interview on arsehole.com, and the guy was saying, you know, what, what do you think of it? He's going, well, I'm looking at the weather here. It's just like being at home.
2: Yeah, yeah. Admittedly, it's not like this all the time. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's even warm enough that we can actually play our football man- matches rather than postpone <laughs> them, uh, which is a, a, a benefit.
1: All right, um, well, let's talk about where he might fit into this team because uh, the obvious position, I suppose, for him uh, is wide midfield and wide right with Nasri uh, claiming the, the left-hand side uh, as his own, really. Uh, the right-hand side of midfield is where I, I see him initially, anyway.
2: Yeah, I think for me too, especially with Walcott out uh, and Aboué currently being the man holding that position, I mean, I think longer term, the way the way it might go is that Wenger talks about, as he has talked about um, before this, wanting a creative unit. And I think that, you know, if you've got Nasri on one flank and Arshavin on the other, and you can probably throw Walcott and Rosicki, should he ever come back into that mix, maybe even Wilshire next season two, there's no reason for, for, for it to be rigid, and that there's no reason that those players can't, we've already seen Nasri doing it, switching flanks, and I imagine that, you know, just the range that it gives you, if, you, if you've got those two players on the, on those sides, they can switch around. In the same way that Jundberg and Perez, although they were primarily stuck to their left and right flanks, they, they did swap around. And, you know, it, it does give you a lot more options. But I think it is going to be wide midfield, uh, maybe off a striker in Europe, much like uh, Alexander Klepp was used.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, obviously, he can't play in Europe uh, this season mm-hmm. because he's cup tied in the, in the Champions League. But we saw that 4-5-1 sort of formation, uh, or you might call it a 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one formation, uh, used uh, to, to good effect in the past. He's certainly a player that could fill that role.
2: I think that's his, his ideal position, yeah, that kind of number 10 role. Um, I think that he, he has, from what I've seen, the creative attributes to play there. Hopefully his, his goal-scoring record is, is better than Klebs was when he came, and certainly better than the one that he had at Arsenal. So, yeah, I think he'd be ideal there, but obviously not until next season.
1: Um, it is, I, I suppose, close to being our, our record signing, um, given that I think Reyes was that. I don't even know if we paid all the money we were supposed to pay for Reyes. Yeah, but it, it does not. it does represent a bit of a shift in terms of Wenger's transfer policy. Uh, he's bought, not, not necessarily in terms of the money, but because of the age of the player. Do you think that's uh, an acceptance... Uh, or the beginning, perhaps, of an acceptance from Arsene that maybe the balance of his squad isn't quite right in terms of a- age and experience?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, he seems to have been saying, we lack, we lack a little bit of experience um, for about two years, really. And I always remember him saying it before the January chance window, where he went out and bought Walcott, Diaby and Adebayo, the oldest of which I think at that time was 2021 20, or 22. Mm. Um, so even though he's he's been aware of the problem seemingly for a long time, he hasn't done anything to arrest uh, to change it um, because I don't know. I guess because of his economic values and his sense that he didn't want to invest large amounts of money in players who he didn't feel would have residual value. Um, now it seems he he recognises that it's come to a point where. He does need to bring in players who just are that little bit older, and you know, obviously, it's not just about a number. Cesc Fabregas is twenty, twenty-one, but he can't be counted as, you know, a, a young player. He's our club captain, you know, and one of our more experienced players. It, it's about the experience rather than the age. And and Arshavin has been playing, you know, first team football for for a very long time, international football for a very very long time, uh, and I do hope it does represent the change in policy that we're looking to bring in. You know, I mean, I think if we were to keep most of the squad together in the summer and add no more than two quality, international, experienced players, we'd be in a very good position ahead of next season.
1: I don't think too many people would disagree with you there. And particularly when, uh, as we've spoken about, you know, on, on this cast and many casts in the past, about our need for a central defender and a central midfielder. Uh, if you want to fill those uh, positions quali- uh, properly, you want to bring in that sort of quality. And, uh, you know, we saw perhaps with Alonso last summer that uh, that was his intention. All right, well, we'll move away from our um, and we'll uh, touch on the very small matter of the North London Derby against Spurs. Uh, we've, a a, a tremendous record against Spurs. Uh, but as a team at the moment, we're struggling for goals. Uh, we know that, uh, Eddie Bayor is, uh, is always, uh, a candidate for a goal against Tottenham. Uh, but, but he probably finds himself in the worst form of his, his Arsenal career. Well, maybe for at least 18 months. Um, are you confident going into this one?
2: I'm actually, I sort of dread saying this, and I hope I don't get castigated for it, but I'm not particularly confident, despite the fact that, as you say, we haven't lost to Spurs in the league for a very, very, very long time. Um, I I do feel that, you know, if you look at our midfield on Sunday potentially, it looks very, very light. Diabi suspended, Aboue possibly injured, uh, though how much of a loss that is, is is debatable. You know, Arshavin unlikely to be involved, I would say. Uh, You know, we're looking quite light in there, obviously, with all the other players that are out. And Spurs are also having a dreadful season. We complain about our season. Their season is hysterical by comparison. Truly appalling. And I know many Spurs fans who genuinely feel they have a significant chance of being relegated. It's not something that I... In my wildest dreams, I, I hope it could come true. It's not so I necessarily agree with, but they have been absolutely appalling. However, I just have a horrible feeling about Robbie Keane. Um, <laughs> horrible, horrible feeling. And I think we'll have to defend well if we're going to win on Sunday. We
1: we saw when Harry Redknapp took over at Spurs and, and uh, not long afterwards they played us at home and, and there was that um, dreadful four-all draw which seemed to kickstart Spurs uh, a little bit. Mm. In, in the next few games. I, I suppose they'll be looking, obviously, at home, they'll be looking for the game against Arsenal to do something similar.
2: Yeah, I think we really gave them a lifeline. I mean, one wonders if they hadn't got that result and gone on that, that initial run that Redknapp had. What kind of...
0: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
2: dire straits they'd be in now I mean you know they'd be right right down there um, as opposed to right down there Uh, but I I think they will be really up for it they need a result Um, but so do we you know we're we're in a good unbeaten run but we haven't been playing particularly well and I do think that you know we've got a signing now we've improved the squad a little bit it's boosted the morale of the fans if we could top that off with arguably a more significant achievement in actually Uh, beating Tottenham, then I think morale at the club probably would be as high as it's been this season.
1: All right. Well, uh, as much as uh, it might kickstart Spurs again, a win at the lane would certainly do wonders for us. Uh, Gilberto Silver, we better leave it there. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks to Gilberto Silver from Gunnarblog.com. Or if you're into the whole Twitter thing, you can follow him. His username is Gunnarblog. If you're not into Twitter, you have... Thank you to Gilberto Silver for his thoughts on our show-in and on the Spurs game coming up. Hopefully we'll have a bit more on the Spurs game. If there's any team news between now and the time I finish recording this podcast, we haven't got any yet, Uh, don't forget to check out his blog, which is, of course, gunnerblog.com. Now, before we go any further, we'll go to the bar, where the man in the bar has a player
3: history. Hello and welcome to another player history right here on the Arscast. Well... What a week that's been. In Clement weather, you could say that. We've had snow all over Dublin, so we have. It's awful. It's all well and good when everything is serene and crisp and white. Like a layer of crunchy cocaine over the land. But once it starts to melt, it gets intolerable. It's just not fun at all. And then there's the whole Andre Arshaven thing. Oh, I was following that on Sky Sports the other day. We had a game, actually, in the bar. Me and the lads were sitting up on the stools. And we said, well, about every time one of them talks about Arshaven and says, I am led to believe, or we understand, or it is thought that, or any other variation on that thing where you make it sound like you know what's happening. But you say it in such a way that if it doesn't happen, you don't look like a cunt. Look, if you're going to say something's happening, say it. If you don't know what's happening, say that too. None of it is we believe. I understand bollocks. Shove it over your holes. Anyway, every time someone said that you had to take a drink. Well, let me tell you, I was so drunk that I woke up the next morning with a cat in the bed beside me. And I don't even have a cat. I don't know where it came from. Anyway, this week our player history is about a player whose first name begins with S. Now, I was going to do a different fella, an Icelandic fella, a guy called Siggy Johnson, because then I could make up my favourite Arsenal song, Siggy playing guitar, but then I figured that joke wasn't really that good, so i do somebody else instead, and this guy was Swedish, and his name was Stefan Schwartz. No, he was born into a life of incredible wealth, being the son of the Schwartzes who make all the spices in the world. And he joined Arsenal in the summer of 1994 from Benfica, and everyone said, Wow, look at this guy. He's blonde. He's got a left foot. He can tackle. He can shoot. He can take a penalty. This boy's going to be awesome. He played one season for Arsenal, then fucked off. Now the excuse he gave at the time was that his wife was unable to settle in London. Fair enough. London isn't for everybody, I suppose. And after that, he went to Fiorentina, which isn't half bad, I suppose, in the Tuscan town of Florence. Oh, the Eton's good in Tuscany, let me tell you. And after that, he went to Valencia. And that, too, is a very lovely place with a rather temperate climate. So you can understand, perhaps, that the better surroundings were more suited to his wifely wife... However, in 1999, he went and joined Sunderland and stayed there for four years. Now, far be it for me to criticise the North of England or anything, but I would respectfully suggest that London is a far better place to live than Sunderland, which is a bit of a kip, really. So if you can't settle in London, how the fuck are you going to manage to settle in Sunderland? Unless, of course, he killed his wife. Yes, yes, that must be it. Nowadays, Stefan Schwartz is retired from football and is the new lead singer with Swedish pop group Ace of Base. It's true.
1: Another player history from the man in the bar on next week's Arsecast. Now, normally at the start of the show, I talk about what's happened since the last Arscast. And that, of course, is the West Ham game. Uh, which was, um, I'm not sure I know how to describe it, maybe a bit like this. Yes, that's how bad the West Ham game was. Worse than that, even. Which is saying something. Um, and it was a, an opportunity lost, of course, because Aston Villa uh, managed only a draw against Wigan. And uh, I think Arsene afterwards was a bit unhappy with the uh, with the performance, with the result. A little bit tetchy in the press conference afterwards. I watched it, and I think it might have been might have been right at the end of the press conference. Certainly the, the bit that was televised. And it might indeed have been Amy Lawrence that asked him, did he feel it was a a missed opportunity, given the fact that Villa only drew? And his response was enormously tetchy. He was, I I, I don't really care too much for Aston Villa, I have to tell you. Thank you very much. Good night. And off he went. So he knows, of course, that it was a a good chance to close the gap. Uh, Villa with five points on us at the moment, it could have been back to two. But it did spell out the need for somebody like uh, Arshavin. As much as we've spoken about how we need uh, central defender, central defender, blah, 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 blah. When you get into games like this, you need somebody who can provide that that spark of something special. And of course, having started Robin Van Persie on the bench, and Adi Bayor off form, and not at his uh, effervescent best, we shall say, because... Uh, what endeared Addy Bayor to a lot of fans was, was his work rate and his energy and his his commitment and running around. And he hasn't necessarily done that as much as he used to. And you feel that even if he was struggling for form, if he was showing the same kind of endeavor, well, then the, the critics wouldn't be as, as vociferous. And when basically Robin Van Persie has carried us through the entire month of January to play the game without him, or at least the first hour or 65 minutes without him, um, it's no surprise we, we didn't score because he scored all the goals or made all the goals. And in one way, I can understand him wanting to protect Van Persie because he's had these terrible injury problems and now he's in a great run of form and he doesn't want to uh, stretch him too far. I understand that. And I understand he looked at Adi and he looked at Bentner and he thought, well, look, we're playing West Ham at home. You guys are capable of getting goals. You should be capable of getting goals against West Ham. Uh, They weren't. So uh, it turned out to be a a bad move, I suppose, to rest him. When maybe he could have done more from the start, but then had he started him and he'd picked up an injury, I don't know. So again, maybe there is uh, the indication that we need more quality in the squad. Arshavin will add that. We'll have Eduardo back. Uh, in one of the striking positions soon as well. Uh, there are international friendlies next week. So he's going away to play with Croatia, and uh, when he returns, I expect him to be involved in, in first-team action. Uh, he may, maybe, 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 might make the bench for the game on Sunday. Because if he is fit to go and play for Croatia in midweek, would he not then be fit to at least sit on the bench for us and give us 20 minutes at the end? Maybe given the fact our team is a little bit stretched, and we'll come to that in a little bit. So that was all last week's footballing action. It's been a quiet week generally, apart from the Arshavin thing, which took up all the time. Apart from that, there hasn't been much going on. Anyway, uh, we'll look ahead to the Spurs game in a moment after the tale of the unexpected.
3: Welcome to Tales of the Unexpected. On the OzBlog, Oscars.
4: Hello, my name is George and I've got another tale of the unexpected for you. This week I've been going round all over the place. I was in here and there and over there and back there and up there and down there and around the corner from where your man did that thing to that fella that time. I was selling loads of top class stuff this week and nobody wants it. iPhones, no. Creative Zen thingies, nobody wants them. I've got three Sinclair C5s, collector's items there and nobody wants them either. I had two car doors and 14 rolls of Axminster and not a one could I shift. This recession has everybody in bad shape. Even Angelina Jolie didn't want the orphans I stole for her. That'll tell you how bad it is. So to pass the time I decided to go on the internet and I was looking at the old News Now thing for Arsenal and I was looking at the top stories for the last 24 hours and incredibly not one of them was a sensationalist made up headline designed to snatch visitors for a story that was worth as much as a bucket of pig shit. Well, that was unexpected. To me?
1: Another tale of the unexpected on another icecast sometime in the very near future. Now, Sunday, North London Derby against Spurs at White Hart Lane. We go into the game struggling for goals, somewhat, and we go into the game... Potentially with with some problems in midfield. Um, we know Diaby is out. Uh, we know he's injured, but he's also suspended. Ubué picked up a knock uh, in the game against West Ham and had to come off. And maybe a doubt. Now I I I was somewhat dubious over the the seriousness of his injury, so he might well be in the squad for Sunday. But if he isn't, it leaves the manager with some some decisions to make, because then we have, uh, from midfield, let's say, Nazri Song and Danielson in the middle, and then Ramsey, or Wilshire on the right-hand side. He could possibly play Vela on the left-hand side, Nazri over on the right. Or, or if Aboué isn't fit, and if Arshavin is not yet ready to take part, whether it's a uh, lack of documentation, lack of match fitness... I think even if he has all his documentation, the best that we'll see is is him on the bench. And if Abue is out, then maybe he might just stick Galas in at left-back and play a back four of Sanya, Juru, Kolo, and Galas and move Clichy up to the left midfield position. I think he probably would feel a bit more secure with that rather than playing Vela. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Obviously, given what happened at the Grove, that that 4-4 game, which was just horrendous, no other word for it, when you concede late goals like that, even though you've drawn the game, it feels like a loss. And when it's Spurs that scored the goals, it feels like an even bigger loss. And when stupid things happen, like Clichy falling over and balls hitting the post and David Bentley scoring from 40 yards, then it all just adds up into one big fucking huge pile of enormous cockrot. And while Spurs might be well up for this game on Sunday, at home in front of their own fans, in the midst of a, a relegation battle, I suppose, while all those things are going to be, um, firing them up, our players should be sat down at some point this week and made, watch a video of that four, four game because, uh, we should be doubly fired up. However fired up spurs are, we should be more so because we want revenge for that four, four game. I want revenge. I want more than revenge but I'll settle for just revenge. We need uh, Van Persie, obviously, to have a game. Adi Bayor, who has this incredible scoring record against Spurs, he took over from Perez as a guy who scored practically every time he played them. Uh, we need him to do the business. We need a big, big performance. Because irrespective of their league position or the the struggles that they've been having, when it comes to the North London derby, uh, it's a cliche, but form goes out the window and that's true. So we want revenge. The players should want revenge. The fans definitely want revenge because that hurt at home. That really hurt. And, uh, the only thing that'll put it right is a win on Sunday at White Hart Lane. Uh, I've been scouring the Arsenal.com for some team news. There isn't any yet. Uh, so we don't know, uh, really what's going to happen. I know Arsen uh, usually has a video out on uh, on Friday morning so uh, I'll try and update that on the site uh, and we'll get a better idea of the team news over the next couple of days and we'll cover that on the blog so uh, that's about it until next week's Irish take it really easy uh, here's to uh, a good performance on Sunday and three points or three points and a shit performance or the worst performance we ever had but still a jammy three points with a, a lucky goal off someone's Irish I don't care the penis of Emmanuel Ebue could score the goal. It makes no difference to me. Uh, here's hoping. I'll talk to you uh, all next week on the blog, of course, uh, and on next week's Archcast. And Take it easy. bye, bye. Bye.
2: Hello,
5: uh, this is Robbie Keane here, and um, yeah, well, dear, yeah, I don't suppose you really want to be hearing from me, but uh, here I am, there's not much you can do about i mean in your ears, I'm just back from a, a fairly brutal time in Liverpool, so I am, didn't work out for me up there, and it had started so brilliantly, I remember, uh, the childhood club of me dreams, and the first day the manager brought me into his office and he sat me down and he said how de puta and as you all know that's a very traditional Spanish welcome well, Unfortunately, it all went downhill from there but well, now I'm back at sports you know captain and everything which is great you can fuck off to another club, treat them like shy, and still come back and be captain, what well, daily anyway uh, given the weather we've had this week uh, I'd like to leave you with a little song which encapsulates everything that i'm feeling at this moment i'm walking through the air i'm flying over white at lane benitez kicked me out i'm right back here again Stop the team from going down because we
1: are cold Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.